me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn, joined by Simon Provan. Simon, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you, Baxter? I am doing just great. It's been an exciting week of MLS action. The U.S. men's national team played, and there's a lot of stuff going on to talk about. We've got another guest joining us today for our hometown uh, spotlight as well. We do. A head coach of the Wisconsin Lutheran College men's soccer team, Joe Lidke, will be here in our second segment. Just continuing on with our hometown spotlight segment that we had great success with last time. Going to continue with it today. Exactly, yep. And remember, uh, you can check out some of the pictures uh, from our last show uh, as Wisconsin Sports Group is here and uh, also members from the Professional Futsal League as well. We had uh, Allison Phillips and Everton uh, joined us and there's pictures up on our Facebook and on our Twitter as well. Go and check those out, and we uh, hope to have them back again. I really had a great time with them. So did I. It was fantastic. Just talking about a new league, uh, seeing what they're doing for the growth of the sport of soccer in Wisconsin, it's always a good thing. It is. Soccer as a whole always makes us happy, especially when your team wins, and I, I wish you could share that sentiment. But again, <laughs> you guys, oh, so close, yet so far once again. I'm really happy the Revolution finally won. Kellen Rowe scoring two goals. MLS Player of the Week, baby. That's the way to show it right there. No man bun. You don't need the man bun That's to right. score two goals. And, yeah, I know that was one of the things we said is, hey, we got a good start on our predictions. And then after that, uh, mine, little, mine weren't so hot. got a little dicey. And we'll definitely uh, revisit those uh, when we get to that later on in the segment. But uh, starting off right away, we want to jump into the MLS Player of the Month. The Etihad Player of the Month has been announced. And that is who, good sir? Octavio Rivero from Vancouver Whitecaps. How much did that pain you to say that a Cascadia player, aside from Portland, is now the player of the month? I have to admit, I'm... It's it's easier for me to say Vancouver than it is for me to say. I won't even let you make. I'm from the East, Seattle. That way, it doesn't hurt as much for me to say it. But yeah, it's definitely good to see Cascadia continuing to grow. I I'd rather Vancouver over Seattle any day if I had to choose, just because I like the Vancouver organization. Just something about. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. I hear Seattle and I just have this instant urge to want to go punch a wall or something. It just makes sense to me. It's very very angry. Uh, angering. But um, yeah, Octavio Rivero, just a fantastic month that he had, Simon. What were some of the things he did? He did well to start off. He had three goals this month. Uh, I think most significantly, two of those were game winning goals. So I, I thought perhaps Bradley Wright Phillips may be the one that won it because he wasn't given much of a chance this year. People saying, oh, Henri's not going to be there. We were saying that. Let's, you know, maybe he's not going to do as well. But he ended up having a, a great month as well, two goals. One of them, though, was a PK, but he also had two assists in there. 
like I said, he wasn't given much of a chance, but he's been shining him. Mean, that great goal against, uh, was it DC, where he had that yeah. turn? Oh, my you know, goodness. Fantastic Just... goal. Uh, Blas Perez, three goals, two of which were also game-winning goals. But he's got a lot of components working with him as well. A he lot does. of his goals were, yep. were taken out of the air and put in the goal. Whereas Octavio, I think he deserves this because a lot of his goals, he, he created those goals. He did. You know? He really worked hard for him. And he's carrying this team. And he, the Whitecaps right now are second in the supporter shield, second overall, that means, in the league. Obviously second in the Western Conference, right behind FC Dallas. But my goodness, he's not just carrying himself. He's carrying, he's carrying this whole team, which at the beginning of the season, I certainly didn't have much faith in them. I don't think many people did. And, and here they are, second in the league. Yeah, they're doing a terrific job. And obviously that Cascadia region of MLS is always very difficult. It's always a dogfight. Portland, unfortunately, is bringing up the rear right now, but Seattle's not too far behind them either, or too far in front of them, as it were. Yeah, in fact, I would argue that for as poor as Portland has been, you got Seattle, who, two games now where they've been up a man, one loss, one draw. That's just painful. How can you be up 11 to 10 twice and not capitalize on that and I know that that's something that really has to bother Ziggy Schmidt as a coach you're like look I'm sure we've run these drills a hundred times in practice be able to capitalize even if you you, mathematically you assume that you attack enough times with 11 guys you're going to score enough goals especially when there's only 10 guys on the field and what's really surprising to me is the depth that team has that it's not following through Dempsey's out sure he's one of your big players he's one of your big DPs but you've got other guys up front that should be able to take care of business and it's just not happening exactly and it's unfortunate to see that happening especially with such a powerhouse like Seattle Um, but yeah this it was surprising for me because I knew it was going to be between either Rivero or it was going to be Kaká because you've seen just the immediate injection of energy and excitement and flair that Kaká brings to Orlando City SC. And rightfully so, he has really helped put that franchise as a really good start so far. I mean, they're 1-1-2 and two right now, not an awful start to the year. If you can, Especially being an expansion team. Exactly. They, that was, I think, a big thing that with New York and Orlando this year, both of them are still in the top half. Now, obviously, yes, it's a little bit, it's one more spot extended, but even still, you cut off that sixth spot, New York sits in third, and Orlando sits in fourth in the East. That's still comparable. Absolutely. And what I really like about this, you're talking about Kaká, is that this award this month wasn't a popularity contest. It wasn't, thankfully. And that's that's what I like to see, a, a player legitimately winning this award as they should. It's Like I said, it's not like an all-star game where perhaps that's more of a popularity contest. This goes to a player that's carrying his team, that barely made the playoffs last year. Now they're second overall in the league. That's a well-deserving award for, uh, um, um, sorry, for Octavio Rivero. Octavio <laughs> <laughs> Morale, exactly, whoever he is. Um, but no, it, it, like you said, it was not a popularity contest because I knew the candidates going in. I want to not forget about Ico Parra because anytime a defender is up for a player of the month, that's a very big, you know, thing that you don't want to forget about. So congratulations to him for at least being nominated. You look at all the other guys, those are all attacking players. And then Ike Parra, he has scored goals. He's scored twice so twice. far, yeah. which is terrific for a defender. Some defenders don't score more than maybe five times in their career, and he's already got two goals this Yeah, year, and, a, so. and a big one this, this last week. I mean, it that was. was. That going was another into Yankee game Stadium and scoring yeah, absolutely. that goal. Yeah. Um, handing, handing FC their first yes their first loss. I was very happy about that. <laughs> Not that I don't like NYCFC, but even still, like they, the team as a whole, just as a New England guy, it, it's hard to like any of those New York teams. But uh, 
it's really good to see that the league continues to grow. And like you said, it wasn't a popularity contest. I actually had to look up who Octavia Rivera was when I heard that he won Player of the Month. Because usually you can be a casual MLS fan and be like, oh, okay, Bradley White Phillips won. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Kaka won. Oh, sure. Okay, that makes sense. But when I heard him, I'm like, okay, wait a minute now. Who's this guy? And I went and dug in some more. And I'm like, oh, that's who he is. Okay. And I, I have a lot more respect for him now and definitely can see why Vancouver is so excited about him. Absolutely. Like I talked about before, he's creating these goals. Yes, he's he's got some good players behind him but uh, you know Blas Perez again he's he's got people feeding him those balls great balls that yes he's got to put away and he has been but Rivero he's he's doing a lot all on his own I'm not gonna lie I love Blas Perez's nickname they have the super raton is what he's called the super rat I don't know why I would ever want the nickname the super rat I obviously it sounds better in Spanish but even (laughs) still my nickname was the super rat I'd be like yeah can we think of something else yeah you know this uh this past April Fool's Day then yesterday my youngest daughter called me a dirty little rat. I wasn't too pleased with that. Oh, but we, we played enough, enough April Fool's jokes on In her. Spanish, that was justified. No, she, no, oh, no. Oh, no, just straight up like, Dad, you're a dirty little rat. Yes, wow. Yeah. Okay. When it was my wife who set up all the April Fool's oh, tricks. But, you know, okay. as a husband, I'll, I'll step in and take Understandable. it. Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, did you have a good April Fool's Day, though? You I had did. A... We, had a, we had a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I'm so glad to hear it. Well, yeah, for MLS, though, it continues to grow. Um, as we look forward to that, uh, we want to jump into our new segment. Uh, Simon, why don't you explain the rules of what's going on now? Yeah, so we've given the red card to Simon Says and Baxter's, Baxter's Bash. That's why we can't say That's it. That's right, why exactly. we gave the red card. So we're, we're doing something new called the 50-50. For those of you who don't know, a 50-50 ball in soccer is where each player has about the equal opportunity to win the ball. So, so Baxter and I decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to present an argument. We'll each take one side of it. And we want you to interact with us. Go to our Facebook page. Go to our Twitter account. Let us know who you think won this argument. Facebook, again, 2UpFront. Our Twitter page is at 2UpFrontSoccer. So we're going to take 45 seconds each. Who wants to start to, uh, this this one? Uh, age before beauty. Simon. Oh, man. So you get to All go right. first. All right, 45 seconds on the clock. Oh, well, actually, oh. Hold. let's tell people we're yeah, talking about be first. Helpful. I don't want, I don't want that to cheat that out of my no, time. No, 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 exactly. So, so we're debating promotion relegation specifically for MLS. I'm only getting 45 seconds. I could go on for an hour. You could. You should have your own show just on promotion relegation. So, all right, 45 seconds on the clock for Simon. On your mark, get set, and go. To get to it, MLS does not need promotion relegation. Done. No, promotion kidding. relegation. It creates top-heavy leagues. We don't need another top-heavy league. There's a lack of investors in this country that are willing to put so much out there and then lose it. Think about it. Why pay $100 million into MLS if you can pay 5 to $20 million for USL or NASL and realistically get promoted the following year while a team who was new in MLS gets relegated. Promotion relegation was an organic process that came out of England. It came out of teams that were already in a league and new teams wanting to be in the league, so they had to compete with each other to get in that league. It was also a merger of two leagues. This was an organic process that you can't put on a different business like MLS. MLS playoffs are not alone. They're not unique. Playoffs are awesome. (laughs) Wow, I just—I was waiting for you to like drop the mic and just walk out. Oh, I had—I like, had a whole other minute. To I know talk, you so. did, and that's why I feel like kind of guilty. Be like, all right, so I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I—it's hard because I'm against it. And I, I will get into this in a second, but at the same time, if it sounds like I'm semi for it, it'll, it'll make more sense when I start talking. So, uh, my turn now with 45 seconds on the clock. I'm ready when you are, sir. And go. All right, so for promotion relegation, I feel like the only reason that it is actually necessary in Major League Soccer is because Don Garber is so hell-bent on adding more teams to the league, and that's completely fine. Expansion is great, but when you get past 24 teams, the league becomes far too large to have the same consistent teams. A lot of teams, it's well, what's the point? You're trying 
to make the playoffs, okay, that's great and all, but give teams that are excelling at the lower divisions chances to move up. Minnesota United, yes, they got promoted, quote-unquote, in expansion, but they've had terrific seasons in the NASL and haven't had an opportunity now to move in to MLS. With more teams continuing to be added to Major League Soccer, there needs to be something for them to fight for. Yes, making the playoffs, I understand that, but at the same time, maybe make the playoffs, and if you don't make the playoffs, you get relegated and give those other teams a chance to move up. It just, it really depends on how you look at it. And done. Well done. Yeah, you know, the thing for me, I just... The playoffs, as I said, they're not unique, and I get sick of people talking about how it's it's just so unique to MLS. It's not the it's Mexican to League America, uses. Well, I you guess. know, Brazil uses it, Argentina uses playoffs, so we're not alone in that. The other thing is that I, I love about this system is it it gives every team an eternal hope at the beginning of the season that they can do something. I'm just sick of watching leagues that. The best teams are always the best teams. The mid-table yeah. teams are always the mid-table teams. And the bottom feeders are always the bottom feeders. I just I don't find that as exciting as... No, as I, I think having that to work for, especially when it comes to playoffs, make the most sense. Um, so with that being said, let us know who you think uh, won the 50-50 ball in this one. I mean, I might have the, the height over Simon, but he's got the speed <laughs> on me, so who knows what would win the 50-50 in that regards. But uh, let us know on Facebook at 2UpFront, and then uh, shoot us uh, on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer as well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Coach Lutke's in the studio. When we come back, we're going to chat a little U.S. men's national team with him. And from our conversations with him in the past, he's not exactly the biggest fan of Bergen Klinsman. But we'll jump into that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. This is Two Up Front. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front Soccer. I'm Baxter Colburn, joined by Simon Proven. Simon, you having a good time so far? Yeah, uh, having a great time. Uh, we talked a little bit about promotion relegation in the first segment with our new uh, addition to the show, 50-50. Uh, but now we're going to switch over to, um, I don't know if disturbing is the right topic. I don't know if 
uh, furious. I'm not exactly sure how to phrase the U.S. men's national frustrated. team. Let's frustrating. Frustrating. Frustrating is nice. the best way to put it. Uh, this is a family show. Um, so, But we have the opportunity now for our hometown spotlight to welcome in uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College uh, men's soccer coach Joe Ludke. He is been at the college for a number of years now, sir, and yeah. uh, continues to build the program there. He built it from the ground up, basically. It wasn't too much going on when you took over, was it? No, nothing. We had 11 guys my wow. first preseason. Well, give us just a little bit of background about um, the school and your coaching experience before we jump into the U.S. team. Sure, sure. I, uh, I played collegially at uh, UWM, and then uh, from there I coached at uh, a year at Pius and then became the varsity girls coach at Pius. During that time at WLC, they had a professor, a great guy, but a professor who didn't have a huge soccer background. Uh, he was in charge of the program, and, and during that time, uh, the program really kind of fell on on tough times. So when I took over in uh, August, for I had about two weeks to prepare for preseason, and we had about 11 <laughs> guys, and and one of those guys had played competitive soccer before. Oh, so, wow. Wow. Was, so it, you, was it Division three at the time yet? It or? was Division yeah. three at the time, right. I believe. We just looked at the stats. We scored, I think we scored four goals and gave up about 110 <laughs> the first year. But uh, it was a bunch of great guys. So there's, the there's no mercy rule there. in college soccer either, is there? No, because we were crying for mercy a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, we were a great, it was a great group of guys, and honestly, it was a year of coaching that I do look back on with fond memories because of how hard those guys worked, no matter what the circumstances were. In the game, we did win a game, and it was probably one of the most exhilarating experiences. We beat Lakeland 3-0. Holy so cow! Three of our goals that, came. That was your goals goal goal victory. victory. That right? was that, that really was huge. Was. That was Holy huge. So cow. you know, it, it's been a growth process. Uh, but we've gotten to a point now where we've been at or above 500 for a stretch of three years, and next year we look to have a very experienced, good team. So, in Division Three athletics, it's all about recruiting, and mm-hmm. as a school has grown, uh, it's become a more attractive place to recruit to. And we have a facility now. When I first came, we were training and playing at Eline Soccer Park, so it was a 45-minute round trip Ooh, wow. just to train. Um, so all those things have really helped, and um, and I've gotten you know, hopefully getting better at the recruitment process as well. So our ultimate goal is to play in an NCAA tournament. So we are we are not finished yet. It's like, it, and Wisconsin has some very good Division three programs. you got UW-Oshkosh, uh, UW Platteville Whitewater. for a while. Yes, Platteville made a Sweet yeah. 16 yeah. probably four wow, years ago, okay. three years yeah, ago. Uh, and next year we do. We, we kick off the season against Whitewater. Uh, we play Oshkosh and we play Platteville all at home. So, oh, wow. so those are some big games then. Definitely check those out if you are in the Milwaukee area. That's awesome. Though. Yeah. Congratulations on sure. the continued growth of the program. Well, Coach, we've asked you here today to talk about the U.S. men's national team, and uh, we've had brief conversations with you in passing in the past, and there's one name that you continue to always talk about, aside from just the normal names that shift through the team, but Jurgen Klinsmann, you have such high respect for the man, don't you? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I want to make sure. You know, in a lot of ways I do. I mean, he was a phenomenal player, mm-hmm. and, and I don't uh, – claim to have greater soccer knowledge or more tactical expertise than Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, I think one of the good things is as a fan, you can speak as a fan and then you can also speak as a coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about this made me think a little bit more as a coach and, and trying to give him um, trying to give him more of a, a, a leeway, I suppose, considering <laughs> you are in a, a four-year cycle with the World Cup and kind of looking at, okay, what is his thought process mm-hmm. right now? Uh, I think he's looking to give a lot of young guys opportunity. But at the end of the day, though, I, I guess my one of my biggest uh, issues would be uh, we want to win now. We don't want to be treated like babies in the game mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at times uh, there's a perception that in the U.S. that, hey, let let the Europeans take charge of this. 
uh, you soccer people in America don't quite know yet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to take 25 years of me tinkering with three in the back and giving up goals, and it's going to take all this, and I'm going to take one of your best players in history and not bring him along to the World Cup because I know better. It, mm. it is amazing, isn't it? It's, I mean, you and I actually played a season together back in our youth yeah. days. Yep. Uh, it's amazing that even, you know, back then if you had – and this isn't as a slight anybody, but if you had an English accent, all Americans thought, ooh, that person knows yeah. what soccer is. Yeah, right? stole a lot of money from us, I think. <laughs> yes, right. yeah, yes. For sure. So 30 years later, yeah. we're still dealing with that in this country. We yet, are. yet, the farthest we've gone in, in the modern era with the World Cup, you know, take 1950 out of there, yeah. is the quarterfinals with an American coach. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Arena, 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And. And gosh, I mean, if if you were a U.S. men's national team fan, that was that was Nirvana, wasn't that it? That was, I mean, that was Nirvana. Just, yeah. And not only that, we could relate to the players, which I think was outstanding. Um, you know, I, I think it's important that our national team players have a sense of American pride. And I don't want to make any judgments on our foreign-born mm-hmm, citizen sure, players sure. that are playing, mm-hmm. but I think uh, that's part of our identity that that we play for what the badge that's on the shirt, and that helps us late in games. Uh, to bust a gut, yeah, and to not give up goals. That I was one of my questions. There. There's one of my questions for you, yeah. real quick. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You know, not, and it's not to slight the foreign players. I was actually happily surprised uh, when I saw Jonathan Brooks singing the national anthem at the last yeah. game. That's oh, great. Yeah. You know, yeah. German yeah. American player, and there he's sure. singing our national anthem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these late collapses in games. Yeah. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I guess this is another issue. Another instance where I do take issue, I suppose, with Jurgen Klinsmann because he likes to blame it on fitness. I was just going to say, is it a fitness of, issue? I, I don't know if it yeah, is. Yeah, right? Instead of tactics. And, and I think it, it is not a fitness issue. That's what we used to be able to pride ourselves on mm-hmm. as Americans. I mean, we went to the 1990 World Cup as absolute underdogs. Bob Gansler was the coach, a great tactician of the game. And we far exceeded expectations. We didn't give up many goals in that World Cup. And we played against the best teams mm-hmm. in, in the world at that time. Uh, so I, I think that... Uh, it, giving up late goals. I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann, I just read one of his quotes was, uh, it's not a problem, it's a theme of giving up late goals. So I, I don't it's know if that's theme. semantics. Well, well, I don't want my script to have that theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and when you watch that Switzerland, obviously Josie Altidore getting getting sent off was, that is what it is, and those, those type of things happen, though. And if it wasn't for, it, whether it's stupid or not, at the international level, people get sent off, and you have to figure out a way to be mm-hmm. organized. And you just feel like that there wasn't really a, t- a noticeable tactical change. Uh, I felt like the players panicked a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, if you go back and watch a little bit of it, there were a lot of misclearances, a lot of misjudged balls. A lot of the same things keep on plaguing us, so the type of goals that we're giving up late are similar. That's a problem, not my, a theme. My biggest thing, absolutely, is, is the amount of players that he just insists have to play out of position. Yeah. You have yes. any, I mean, what what would possess a coach to keep thinking, all right, well, I know in the league he plays left wing, but I'm going to try him at center back or whatever it may be. Jermaine Jones is the big one that comes up for me, this, that attacking midfielder then getting pushed back to that center back spot because he does not play defense when he plays in Major League Soccer for the Revolution. I don't know if you put one of your most reckless, aggressive players at center back. <laughs> good just, good center back like should good idea. You know, if you think of good center backs, they're the pillar of a team, mm-hmm. and they should they should not be noticed. That's a great mm. point. I've never you thought know, they of that. Really, yeah. And when they are noticed, it's usually for their mistakes. Right. Rarely right. do you, you know, will a center back come up and score a big goal? Yes, that will happen from time to time, but that is way out of the norm. You want those guys just to be steady, to play in one or two, to not get played over the top, to not get beat on their inside shoulder. 
and man, those things happen to us consistently. And and I think part of it was Jurgen Klinsmann, and, and maybe this is another area where we take issue of some of the that arrogance. Maybe is on a weekly basis, it seems like he comes in with magic dust. They, hey, this is what we're going to try this week, boys. It's a three-five-two, and I'm calling up all these guys, and you're going to play here. And this is the magic dust this week. And then next week it's fitness. And then this other week we're going to play a four-four-two, but we're going to leave such and such off the roster because, well, that's not really where we're going to be right now. I think that's what's troubling for us fans in this country is we want to be able to turn on our national team and see the Landon Donovan, see the capped players that we can relate to. And back in our day it was, even even though we had issues with Jeff Agus Mm -hmm. or Marcelo Balboa, (laughs) technically maybe, hey, we could relate. And that's why, like, Beasley this World Cup was great to see him out yep. there because we could relate to him. Mm-hmm. And I think we're missing that where we, do, we turn – and it's hard for me. I turn on the national team. I don't know some of these guys sure. really. Sure, yeah. You know, being a busy guy, I'm not, I'm not researching each and exactly, every one of these guys. Yeah. So I think that's an issue too. I think maybe that's where some of our frustration stems is that we can't relate to our national that's team That's a right great now. point. You know, I was thinking about when Klinsman took over, that was one of the first things he said is we have to find an American identity. Yet – all these other countries reflect the identity of the country. So yes. as Americans, we have an identity. So yeah. if, if you're talking about finding that identity, then then use the tools that you already have. Yes. And, and what you're saying, too, about the, that arrogance of, well, these coaches in MLS don't really know where to play these players. Or even these coaches in England don't know yeah. where. I mean, I think yeah. one, there was another player that was played out of position this week that was just Mind-blowing. Was it Tim Ream, I think, that you had an issue with? Well, he, he hasn't been playing the... Ream. Yeah, no, he... but then he played on the wing when he did come in, though, I thought you said. I thought that was he was... It was somebody, no, it was well, somebody else. Chase playing left back, too. Yeah, so right. which is weird for me because he's, I mean, he's always been an attacking left midfielder. He had success for FC Dallas when he was in Major League Soccer. He didn't really play a lot over in England. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he loves left back, though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like mm-hmm. He did it for Orlando. He's doing it for the U.S. men's national team. But he's come out and said, I love it. It's a lot of fun. Now he's got a little bit more freedom than a normal left back because he does have that attacking uh, mind in him. So that way the coaches are like, well, you can cheat up a little bit. Obviously, make sure you get back. But we've always seen him to be in good fitness. And he, we can see that he can score sure. brilliant free kicks like he did against Switzerland. So, yep. let, let, so let's say you were in charge of this team. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so, so let's play head coach of the U.S. men's yes. national team. Yeah. Congratulations. What, what would, <laughs> you've been promoted. <laughs> what would you change or what would you implement? What, what well, do you think is lacking? I, I think part of it is he needs to heal the fracture that's been created with the MLS mm-hmm. by some of his com- uh, comments that he's made. And if you look at his staff, uh, they hired another guy on that's European-based. So really his, his coaching staff is all European-based, and that's where they spend their time. Right, so you're basically saying, in some ways, to the MLS, to our academy program, that okay, we'll we'll, we'll insert you here and there, but we're really looking for the European-based foreign, you know, foreign-born players to come out of there. So I think he needs to. He's not wrong when he says that. Obviously, the Premier League mm-hmm. is a higher sure, standard, and sure. if you can play there, that's where you should. But man, maybe a filter is in order. So he needs to, he needs to try and and repair that. So I think that's step one to be able to do that and. I'm willing to give him, and in thinking about this and talking myself off the ledge, I'm willing to give him <laughs> the gold cup to kind of see really where things are and to see if this experimentation now is going to bear results in the gold cup because I think that's an important test for us there. And that's a conversation that Simon and I have had a few times about, you know, you have to respect Jurgen Klinsmann because he did he did do a decent job in the World Cup. He knows how to call in certain players, you know, the continued uh, players that continue to come in, but I asked this question of Simon as well, and I'm curious to ask it as well. We know that Jurgen Klinsmann is under contract until the 2018 World Cup, but if we continue to see this inconsistency with players coming in and maybe not a good result in the Gold Cup, do we maybe see him 
leaving the office a little earlier than projected? Uh, I think you have a better chance of 80-degree uh, weather in Wisconsin in January than That's Jurgen Klinsman getting fired. <laughs> I think part of it is because you know the, the brass would have to admit a mistake, mm-hmm. and I don't think uh, Sunil is going to admit that he made a mistake in hiring him. And you know, as far as uh, from a monetary standpoint, the Federation is doing well. Jurgen Klinsman is a great spokesman mm-hmm. for U.S. Yeah. soccer. He's well-spoken. He smiles. He is optimistic, although condescending, some people may think. But he is optimistic, and I think they're doing great with their with their coaching education programs that he is getting involved in, and that those are all things that help them make money. So, man, we would have to really, I think, fall on our face. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at our friendlies coming up, I mean, I think there's Germany on there. Yeah, the Netherlands. Right? There's Mexico and the Netherlands. Mexico. So I, I guess uh, maybe it might snow. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have no, I have no problem. I love the fact that we're playing some of these powerhouses. I think it's neat. I think that's um, great. You know? I'm tired of playing no name, small yeah. little Hispanic yeah. countries. And I think we have to give him credit there, don't we? Because those are things that he brought to the table. Right. He, he, you know, that has a great international schedule. I think you also, you know, I, one thing that I have noticed a difference with Jurgen Klinsmann taking the helm that I like is I do think there is a more of an emphasis on a bit more sophistication in our ability to possess the ball. Mm-hmm. We seem to play crisper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't just play as direct out of the midfield. I think the next step, the hardest thing in the game is we just, if we're going to be brutally honest, is we lack world-class players, especially around the goal. So when we have the ball in the attacking third, space is at a premium. That's where you need world-class quality, and we just don't have world-class quality. We'll settle for a serve from distance instead of looking for a combo to create a better opportunity because we just don't have that world-class ability. So to me, that, that is... That lets him off the hook a little bit. So maybe, in fairness, he's looking for those world world class players mm-hmm. right now. Hence, why he's he's tinkering and bringing different people in. So yeah, and I get that. What concerns me, and I talked about this last week, is just his inconsistency of requirements for players. He tells one player, "Hey, you need to be playing, you know, in Europe all the time," mm-hmm. and then he, he tells other players, "Well, you're an MLS, so I'm not going to call you up." But then, as I talked about, he brings up Julian Green, who's not with the first team, wasn't even with reserves. He's with the U23s. Yes. So how do, how do you yes. you know is that is that another case of and Green didn't even play in either of the friendlies. He did not. But is that a case of you've overhyped a player and you're afraid to admit that mistake? I think so. <laughs> well, I think when you drop Landon Donovan for him. You yeah. set that player up. To Especially when you come back and say, I'm, I'm bringing the best 23 players that we yes. have. Yes, yes. Chris yeah, Wondolowski, exactly. I don't know if we got to jump back at that or not. But <laughs> anyway, oh, goodness. Yeah, that's um, too bad. But one other question I did have for you, Coach, and you, you talk about crispness, and I, from my days of playing <laughs> yeah. for you, I yeah. remember that was one thing you always said, crisp, sharp passes, yeah. got to have good combos. Yeah. If you could pick one area on the field for the U.S. men's national team that is by far the weakest, what would you say it is? It's, it's got to be their back line. It, it has to be, right? I mean, it, it, that's huge. They, they have to get more organized. So I think it, it's not a matter of fitness. It's a matter of just going back to defensive backline principles. You know, it, they need to be – it's pressure, it's cover, it's closing the gaps. It's not giving up um, easy opportunities at the end of the game. So you would have loved to have seen them against uh, Switzerland come out or now against these games that they have coming up when they do play, just to be really staunch defensively. So maybe as a coach you go back to what I would do differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would – I would say, okay, we are going to counterattack against Germany because we really want to focus on, hey, it's okay for us to not bunker in necessarily, but let's really put an emphasis on being tight defensively and let's counterattack. Yeah. And they were semi-close. Yeah, and they were close in the World Cup. They weren't completely run out of the building, but... I think Lowe took it easy on them. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there maybe. There maybe. 
But Belgium, I mean, Belgium, I mean, that was, oh, yeah. we, you know, Tim Howard had it. A lot of those shots, I, I blame more on Belgian finishing. Tim yeah. Howard was in the right place. A lot of those balls hit him, I think. Sure. Um, but gosh, we had a chance to, to win it at the end as mm-hmm. well. But I, I think we just show that in those areas, we were outclassed. Where in the past, we are say, okay, we, we might be outclassed, but you won't out-organize us. Mm-hmm. You won't outwork yeah. us. Mm-hmm. We're going to defend well. We have great goalkeeping. We have Landon Donovan. We're going to counter. We're going to score goals, and we're going to build, and we're going to be exciting. I, there's you know? no shame in counterattacking. No, there's no, no shame. I love it. But, no, but they, you know, the U.S. teams in the past will get ripped for it. All they do is counterattack. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's the U.S. style. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I, so exactly. We're, we're talking about the de- uh, development before, and I wanted to throw one last question at you sure. myself. So, folks in MLS, U.S. Soccer, even Oliver Luck, who was the uh, first president of the Houston Dynamo, he's now on the NCAA regula- regulatory regulatory committee. Uh, they're putting out a letter out to the NCAA saying, hey, we need to revamp college soccer. We need to have it more in line with what we're trying to do at the top of the game. And they want to stretch the season out basically to be all year long, not add additional games, but have it be a two-semester sport basically rather Ooh. than a single semester. Yep. That would yep. be awesome. Just, since you're a college coach, it's a two-pronged question. One, how do you feel about that in general? And then two, specifically for Division Three, is that appropriate? Sure, sure. Well, the first part of your question, as far as best practices go, it makes all the sense in the world. You know, when you think about our Division Three or any college soccer season, you're talking about playing 20 games in two months. Mm. They, they don't, they, we get about five days for preseason, and then off we go, and we average about two and a half games a week. You know, we're, we, were doing, we were done with our 2016 schedule, and it was a very difficult schedule for us to put together because right now in September we have 13 games in September. <laughs> so the training-to-game ratio, when you talk about, you know, health of players, when you talk about school, when you talk about an overall quality soccer experience, it's not as good as it could be due to that schedule. So I would be in favor of them playing longer. I mean, let's play into November if we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a, Let's start a little bit earlier. Um, as far as that being... Um, appropriate that the two season model two semester model for division three you know at the end of the day it comes down to money mm-hmm. and this proposal is going to cost more money okay um it's going to cost more money as far as bringing people in earlier if it's an earlier preseason because we have to pay for that um and if you're gonna if you're gonna spread the season out is there more travel involved and all those different components that go in if it's going to cost more money it will not get passed at the division three level more than likely um, at the Division One level, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a relevancy issue. I think Division One soccer coaches look at that, that they're going to become irrelevant in the game. Yeah, we have a number of players skipping college yes, to go straight sure. to MLS. For sure. Or they're in the MLS academies already. It's it, probably the to, better way to go, I feel yeah, like. Similar to in England. The universities in England don't produce the top players. Mm. It just doesn't work that way. You know, That's where you go for an education and you play because you like to play. Um, whereas Division One used to be a feeder for our national team, I think the Division One coaches are realizing that, and I think that's a component of this as well. Not only is it best for the student athlete, um, but then there's the other part in there too. Is as coaches, we have to look at it. Okay, right now I can coach in the fall, and then if I so choose, I could coach a club team in the spring, mm. right? And mm-hmm. you know that's a financial thing, perhaps for the coaches to be able to earn some extra money. Now we're saying, okay, now it's I'm coaching year round. Am I going to get paid more? Am I going to lose some money? So I think there's that component in there that you're going to actually see some college coaches not want to do it. For me personally, I would love to do it because I think it would it would help me uh, be able to do more things tactically and it sure. just be a more complete season. So yeah, the college season does kind of seem to you basically 
blink and it's like preseason, oh, and the last game's over. It's like, where did that entire season go? Exactly. And even just from spending one year on the roster that I did yeah. with you, I, I, I barely remember it because it, it happened so fast. Yes. It all kind of blended together yeah. after a while. But it's a lot of fun, but I definitely agree that yeah. expanding the season, whether it is, even if it's going from you know first game start in the beginning of August, maybe preseason starts early, and then you run until maybe a few weeks into November or whatever exactly it is, I feel like that would help. Now, the two-semester thing obviously is a bit more dicey in that regards i think maybe you start you test it with division one let them run around with it for a while and see what happens or maybe division two that way it's not the bottom or the top just to test the waters out maybe but i like the idea and it's funny because with soccer it's so much not like other sports where for if you want to play professional football you got to go play in college you want to play professional baseball got to go through college and other developmental things but for soccer if you can get into an mls club academy or play for a really really good uh, private club that's a better that's your better chance sometimes of going into professional soccer instead of playing college soccer whereas this this plan as you were talking about Joe tries to bring the relevancy mm-hmm. of college soccer back to what it used to be yes back when we were youngins yeah exactly <laughs> exactly cuz i mean things have definitely changed in the in the college game and i think your know, players they want more i know our players here i know the emphasis in division 3 is on the student athlete and i don't we should never take that part away Absolutely. at all right. but at the same time it's a huge part of our athletes life so if they're not filling their free time with soccer they're filling their free time right and if they right. want to fill that free time with organized soccer with granted with time off in there I think we should fill it with what they want. What's wrong with being a soccer player year-round and a student year-round? They're going to be they're going to be something. So I think that you can argue back and forth on that. I think a lot of changes are coming. I think the NCAA is going to look at season structures as a whole for all sports. Mm. Um, obviously, there's so much money involved in college football and college basketball that the NCAA is constantly under scrutiny for for what they're doing. And I think that the one thing I will say is that the college coaches have done a very good job of uniting under this issue, mm. especially at the Division One level, and at least pushing it to the forefront because uh, I won't name names, and it's not our athletic director, but I heard through the grapevine an athletic director say about this proposal, what, soccer? What do they care? Why, why do they want to change anything? Ouch. That's somebody like, who's totally out of touch with how big this game has gotten in Yeah, this for sure. For sure. And, and what, why would you say that? Because all student-athletes matter, mm-hmm. whether right. it's gymnastics or track and field or cross country or football basketball and i think we have to get away from that i mean you know i don't i don't ever sit and think oh poor soccer we we don't get treated with respect hey, l- listen at the end of the day just treat all of us equally mm-hmm. just treat us all equally because to the to the athlete to the coaches to the parents to the fans we matter a lot Absolutely. You know, and and I think that's an important part of it, too. So, All right. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Best of luck with, uh, now that you're preparing for your off season and uh, next season as it rolls around in the fall. Uh, we appreciate your comments on the U.S. Men's National Team, and we uh, look forward to maybe having you on again in the future. I love it. Great. You guys do a great job. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. Have a good rest right. of your day, yeah. Coach. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to dive a little bit more into Josie Altador and that, uh, well, I'm not going to repeat what he said. But anyway, his comments that he said to the ref and uh, look ahead and look back at MLS uh, Week 3 and Week 4. We've got our power rankings coming up as well. Uh, don't go anywhere. This is another edition of Two Up Front.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. We had a, quite a good time in our last segment as Wisconsin Lutheran College men's soccer coach Joe Lutke joined us to talk about Jurgen Klinsmann, the U.S. men's national team, and then the development of NCAA soccer as a whole. It was really great to get to chat with him and relive what it all is to be in college soccer. I only unfortunately got to play for a year and a half before I broke my foot, but it was still a lot of excitement. And Coach Ludke was actually my coach as well. And it was it was funny to, to see him talking about all his, you know, crisp passing and all that stuff. And I just can, I remember being on the field with him yelling at us, you know, we need crisper passes, you know, get up and move. And it was it was a lot of fun. I'm really I, glad yeah, he I, came in. I really appreciated his perspective on the proposal for NCAA soccer because I've I've thought about it as nothing as positive. I didn't think about the financial ramifications. And one of the things I think that was underlying all of that, if they are going to also be playing in the spring, well, that means now they got to hire somebody on to handle recruiting. Yeah, right. So exactly. So there is that financial risk that that will be there. But I I think all in all, we heard a lot more positives. Than negatives. Yeah, Division One, it kind of makes sense. The money's there to do it, even if it's a smaller Division One school. They they have probably more money than a Division Three school does. And Division Three, it would it would be great to see those guys get to play more games throughout the year. Like we heard Coach Ludke say, he would love the opportunity to coach basically year round, as it were. And I think it would be a great. It would be able to develop players better. You'd be able to have probably better team chemistry, and you might you know not have so many injuries as well because mm-hmm. of the games being spread out a little bit more. Um, but going on back a little bit to the U.S. men's national team for a little bit, uh, we saw Josie Altador yesterday, uh, two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah, I know what yes. day it is. Two days ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he got red carded for um, telling the ref he was a very wonderful person uh, and complimented his hair. Uh, but the ref didn't like that for some reason and gave him a, a caution and then a straight red card because Josie was not very uh, – he, uh, he was originally going to get a yellow card for uh, clipping a player. He got him on the back of the heel – and then Josie decided to add a few more uh, things to that and uh, ended up getting red carded. And it put the U.S. down uh, 10 men for the remainder of the game, which led to Switzerland scoring the tying goal. Yeah, I'm not excusing Josie, but I understand why he was frustrated. Watching that game, he was getting pushed and shoved quite a bit. The ref wasn't calling it. In in fact, on that play right before that all happened, you see Josie with the the ball. He gets clipped from behind, but he stays on his feet keeps the ball then he gets clipped again he loses the ball then you see him go and do the retaliation and the ref finally blows the whistle so all game long it was building up to this moment doesn't excuse what Josie did no but, definitely not. but I do <laughs> I, I feel for him because I'll be honest when I play that's the type of player yep, I tell I mean, not that I'm out there throwing f-bombs no. but I, I'm the type of player that I'm gonna get frustrated with a ref if if it is that clearly unfair yes but yep. he's at the level where you got to laugh it off. Yeah, at a professional level. And thankfully, we talked about this too before the show, that thank the Lord it wasn't a World Cup game, it wasn't a tournament game, because if you were red-carded and you lose your best player, I put that in quotes in terms of scoring goals, what do you have to turn to after that? Aaron Johansson, whoever else you have on the bench, Julian Green? Eh, probably not. That's not going to end well for the U.S. national team. Yeah, friendlies aren't there just to work on the physical part of the game. It's also to work on the mental part exactly. of the game. Exactly. And you got to keep your cool out there. Exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely agree that uh, I'm that kind of player as well when it comes to Josie Altidore. <laughs> now, what I will give him credit for is he had a very honest, genuine apology. I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw that. He said, yep. "I'm sorry for what I did. I should never lose my cool. That is not the type of role model I want to be." You know, so many times you see these apologies that are like, uh, "Well, yeah, I didn't mean to offend the referee." 
I, you know, where it's not really an apology. Exactly, this was yeah. an apology, and I give him a lot of credit for that. And I think he realized that after he got the red card, too, he was kind of like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't actually mean for it to go that far. But here to the moment, it's hard to fully know when you get someone hacking your knees out, basically, and you're just like, you know what? I have had enough <laughs> right. of this ridiculousness. <laughs> Although but, you did. I don't know if you saw this. As he's walking off the field, he said to the fourth referee, what was that for? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's too funny. But uh, I had something else that was a little funny that I wanted to talk about. I found this beautiful gold nugget on Twitter um, during the game, and I sent it to you, Simon. It's a Klinsman post-loss press conference bingo. (laughs) This is fantastic. It is absolutely amazing. I don't know who made it, but whoever you are, I I applaud you for that. So well well done. Uh, Some of the... the (laughs) The free space is really is really good. It's anything said in a German accent. That's obviously a given. Um, my favorite ones, too, i just uh, throw a few of them out there. Um, obviously, it's not realistic for us to win the World Cup this year. Um, we didn't get uh, – we have to get nastier. I like that one. Um, I also like the – we were a bit unlucky in the second half. I feel like he probably says that one a lot. But this one, too. This is all a part of that building process. Yes. Like, what What are we building here? Again, we need to win now. I like that he's an engine on the field, too. I can hear him yes. say that about – what do you think of Michael Bradley? He's an engine on the field. Oh, good. Good. Thank I you. I want to congratulate Julian Green for being alive. <laughs> that one, I love I haven't it. heard that one yet. I haven't but. heard that one either, but I feel like at that point um, – that's, that's a little unfair to Julian. Yeah, but. exactly. I love this one, too. Uh, with Josie, you always know what you're going to get. Do you? Do you really? I don't know about that. And then, obviously, there's a candid Landon Donovan one as well. Landon has obviously done a lot for soccer in this country. It's yeah. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't checked it out, I did tweet it at Simon, but we'll, we'll tweet it out from our actual show account as well, at 2UpFrontSoccer, and we'll probably put it on our Facebook page. It is just absolute gold. You're going to have to play next time the game happens. And the reason it's so funny is because it's so true. Exactly. That's, we're not, this isn't something that somebody made up like, ah, maybe he'll say this. Like These are pretty much things he's said in post-game losses, and it's just... It's the same generic things, and I wonder if he's got a little, maybe he plays the game as he goes, like, let's see, um, obviously there's a learning curve here, okay, got that one, uh, <laughs> pass-aggressive comment about mentality of U.S. soccer, okay, got that one, it's, there's, we need, it's we so need good. somebody who can do Excel really well, that can, uh, you know, switch these all, all up so we can actually play bingo against exactly, each other. Exactly, need to random generate this, yeah. yeah so be, if you're out there, let us know. Yeah, we would love that, uh, oh my gosh, just, I love it, it's, it's funny to make fun of him. Now, obviously, because he has an accent, it makes it all even more be- yeah, even more better. That's English. Um, that's why you're the theater guy and I'm in broadcasting. Wait. I don't know. Anyway, um, so well, your thoughts from this game, Simon? It was, it was very positive overall. I, I will say, as, as much as we're harping on Klinsman today, the team looked like they knew what they were doing. They looked comfortable out there. There were plenty of moments. They didn't they – didn't, uh, they didn't – have the majority of the possession, but you wouldn't have guessed that from the first half. Mm-hmm. I thought they did quite well out there. They looked confident. Um, I thought there was a game that they would absolutely win. That goal by Breck Shea, sweet off the restart. You know, once again, proving his doubters wrong. He is. It's only his fourth international goal, but it was a beautiful fourth beautiful international goal. Beautiful goal. So it, that game brought me a lot of hope. I mean, they're playing against one of the world's best teams, arguably one of arguably. the world's best teams. I they're mean, they were, se- they were seated in the 15. World Cup. Sure. Um, so it's Switzerland in Switzerland, and I'll say you know to hold on to at least a draw after going down to ten men against a team like Switzerland. That's also that's when you can call it a positive result. It would be nice to see that that defense get together again. That's hard to do when you've got several players coming in, uh, different players coming in every game. But overall, I will say I thought the game was more positive than it was negative. How about you? Yeah, I think as a as a whole, I'm. 
the big thing that I heard in the first half was the bad play from Nick Romando in goal. Uh, a yes. lot of people were harping on Nick Romando. Uh, one of my friends was texting me during the game. He was like, do you believe that Romando was you know, doing as bad as he does? And it's, it's hard for me because I followed MLS very closely, and to know that a guy like Nick Romando who is struggling, I'm like, that's that just Nick Romando and not playing well just don't go in the same well, sentence. Well, let's be honest. It's not like he's had a lot of bad games for the U.S. No. But this game, it was an anomaly. He was playing some poor balls out of the back. I mean, he's playing balls straight to the Swiss players. Exactly. I don't think Romando has had this bad of a game until and since last playoffs when LA Galaxy put in five goals on them in the uh, conference, what was it, the Eastern Conference semifinals, I think is what it was. But even still, at the national level, he's he's not necessarily the geared number one guy behind Tim Howard. You've got Brad Guzan. You've got other guys that are trying to say, hey, I want to be the starting goalie. And that's something that bothers me too. Why is Brad Guzan not getting more playing time? That Tim Howard's taking his year off and his year's almost up. Especially with the break. Exactly. You know, it's an international window, so uh, Premier League's not playing. I mm-hmm. had the same thought, Baxter. Why is Guzan not back there today? And it was very surprising for me, and I don't remember the name of the other gentleman. Um, Yarbaugh. Yarbaugh. He came something in at, like that. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, he came in at halftime and didn't play awful. It wasn't but... terrible. He let a couple of crosses in. Uh, that The goal that the Swiss ended up scoring right before that, they had a shot on goal that I felt he could have handled the ball, but instead he punched it out. The next play was the corner kick, and then Switzerland scores. So... It was it was mixed reviews for him, but again, that's his first forty five minutes. You got to mark some of that up up to nerves, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, you definitely have to accredit that to nerves. I mean, it was not a horrible uh, term in terms of how he uh, the team as a whole played, but you'd like to have seen a better result, especially after taking a one zero lead. And it's tradition, basically. It's becoming that tradition where it's like, well, we're up one zero, we're doing relatively good. I think the other team should score a goal now. You know, yeah, right. I, think, I think it's I think it's about that time. And sure enough, we yeah. saw that happen. But uh, Overall, not a terrible day for the U.S. Uh, obviously, it was great to see Giassi Zardes getting some time up front with Josie Altidore. Uh, but a lot of the guys on the bench, though, didn't really get a lot of playing time, and it was unfortunate to see that. But yeah, Tim Ream finally gets, what, four minutes in the game? Yeah, hey, that was quality. Quality yeah, four minutes, yeah. right? Oh, my goodness. But anyway, um, the U.S. men's national team looking ahead. They've got some big games coming up. I know that game against Mexico is going to be a huge one. I'm excited for the German and uh, Netherlands games as well. So definitely stay, uh, stay tuned here for our reactions about those games. The good news is, is everybody's returning back to MLS after, uh, after a couple of games away. So we need to look at our weekend in review. Are there uh, you know, things that stood out to us? Anything off the top of your head? Well, some of the games that really jump out, there was, um, it was kind of a semi-boring week again in MLS. Uh, you look at some of the games... Um, if there's one game that okay, I'm going to talk about the Revolution fast just because I'm really excited that as they well won. as you should. Yeah, the New England Revolution finally capturing a victory. Uh, they ended up going two one uh, against San Jose, and we were kind of on the fence about how good uh, San Jose was, but we, they proved once again that they can be a dangerous team. They can though. They only had three shots on goal this game. They did. Plenty of shots, but only exactly. three of them you on goal. I mean, and obviously you just need one to go in to cause a difference. But even still, putting just three total shots on goal, it's very very unlikely you're going to win that game. But congratulations to Kellen Roll. The Revolution finally getting on the score sheet twice by Kellen Roll's uh, terrific shots. Uh, No man bun needed for him to take the player of the week. Um, But, yeah, it was a great win for New England. It was a home win. Uh, They needed it. Hopefully that boosts their confidence as they look forward to Colorado next week. Yes. uh, Speaking of Colorado, one of the 0-0 games. Thank you, Chicago and RSL, for putting goals in. Otherwise, my I believe from last week of there won't be three 0-0 games (laughs) would have... uh, 
would have not been true. It was close. It was very, very close. Even that DC United uh, Galaxy game that's as right. well. That was that's right. borderline. What a, what win for DC. Well, uh, you know, can I blame MLS Soccer just a little bit Please. for not, not, not having updated all of the callbacks? I was talking last week. Give me a yellow card. Talking about Keane was going to be on the Galaxy. Now, obviously, he was with Ireland. But DC takes advantage of it and gets a 1-0 win. You need to, especially with your two hot guys like uh, Robbie Keane and Jassy's artist gone. Those are the two main uh, contributors for the Galaxy offense. Yes, there's other players as well on that team, but the two main forms of offense right now are Zardes and Keane, and with them both not being there, DC was able to capitalize on a late goal. Big, big game for Sporting Kansas City. They it was. finally get a win, and they do it at Yankee Stadium. So NYCFC falls 0-1 uh, to one to Sporting. Uh, so that's a that, what a what a fantastic way to get back to your winning ways with Sporting Kansas City and some big news coming out of Kansas City rumors that Raphael Vandervaart uh, may be coming to Sporting the in Dutchman, July. The Flying Dutchman might be on his way to stateside. Yeah, and he actually, you know, what he had to say about this was was pretty intriguing. I really appreciated his quote. First of all, saying that he he can imagine playing in America. The big thing that he said though is, I want to continue to play at a high level. And that and that's exciting, saying that MLS would be a high level, right? And I think it's starting to get that reputation. And, and sure, you can say, oh, "Well, he's pay, paying the league lip service," but I don't think so because he also said, "I want to keep playing internationally." So he sees MLS as a viable option to play here and still get called up. Yeah, and that's terrific to see. And obviously, it depends on a national team basis, you know, from by coach to coach and player to player. I don't know if we're going to see um, Ricardo Kaká back on the national Brazilian, team. Brazilian, right? Right, um, but. You know, obviously there's other players. That was What was this last international break? It was 57 players, I think, were called up? Something like Something that. Something that. It was yes. a ridiculous number, and I don't, I don't know if any other league in the world could match that in terms of at this specific time for call-ups. Yes, I know it's that uh, in-between time where people are you know, trying to figure out you know, who's good, who's not. But even still, though, it, it was great to see that uh, the amount of players coming in the international level are going. Uh, whether or not this move actually does happen, it's still a, probably a little premature. Right, but we, we, we'll uh, see what happens. Right, the owner of the of Sporting did say it is it is premature. Nothing's imminent, but that tends to always be the key words for this exactly. is going to happen. <laughs> Usually, we can't. It's, it's one of those like I can neither confirm or deny that this is going to happen, but it might. It's more right. than likely going to happen. Uh, obviously, the game that was a lot of people were talking about was the Impact and Oof. Orlando game. Montreal Impact flying out of the gate, scoring two goals in. Uh, relatively rapid succession. Uh, yeah, you're th- you're thinking this is it. The impact is is going to destroy Orlando, and uh, well, Orlando says not so fast and ends up tying this game two to two. It was it was a fantastic game to see uh, overall as they continued to uh, take their uh, victory. Uh, it wasn't a bit of a victory. It was more of a mental victory. I feel like because going down two zero and twenty seven minutes in uh, as a team it's hard to be like okay well we're down two nothing only 27 minutes in how do we respond and then sure enough orlando comes back and knocks in two goals within two minutes of two minutes other. one of the rookies uh Ribeiro, puts in a goal in the 29th minute and of course kaka comes in and finishes off the job brings that you know that again that's going to feel like a win it really it's going to feel like a win for orlando going to feel like a loss and it should for montreal yeah montreal continuing to struggle that's why they're not jumping into our top 10 for our power rankings this week even though they have put up good numbers in the CONCACAF Champions League play. you got to transition over to uh, Major League Soccer as a whole. So most exciting game 
was that game. I think we I could agree. Argue, or you could argue, you could argue uh, Vancouver Portland, not for my sake, but that was one of the uh, more <laughs> that was exciting a good games. Game, though. There was a lot of excitement about that game. I can't remember the name of that player now, but there's a highlight video going around of a Portland player going through like two or three different Vancouver guys. Um, uh, I think his name starts with the. Oh my gosh, I'm spacing. I, and right I should now. know this. I should know um, this. But even still, though, it was good to see um, consistency. But. There was a big issue that you had in that game with Portland's defense. Oh my! Well, I tweeted this out. It's called football because you're supposed to get your foot to the ball. Oh, that's how it works. So we've playing it wrong for so many years. Unbelievable. Uh, Robert Earnshaw in the right place at the right time, and he made himself there. Uh, we see Vancouver getting through Portland's defense. They're trying to work their way around. Great pass down the middle, but you know why it's a great pass? Because you have two center midfielders back off of the ball. Then you got two center backs for Portland, one of them being the DP, Ridgewell. Yep. He literally jumps back from the ball. So the ball goes to Earnshaw. He puts it in. It's, it's a stoppage time goal. Vancouver ends up winning 2-1, and what was really heartbreaking about this is just before that, Adi for Portland Mm -hmm. almost had the game-winning goal. Wonderful save by Vancouver's goalkeeper, and they go right down the field, and boom, they they put I mean, it was a wonderful placement (laughs) shot by Earnshaw, but there's no way that ball is supposed to go through four Portland players. Exactly. It was just kind of an embarrassment. Even for me, who's not a a Timbers fan, I I felt bad uh, when you showed me the video, and I, I checked it out again later on, just... That's just something you don't have happen if you're a professional player. Let a ball get through four people. I mean, it was a decent pass if there was nobody there. But there were four people four in the way people. of that pass. And, and, they probably, and <laughs> we talked about it. it was good, even as much as it pained us to say this, especially you, it was a good run by Robert Earnshaw because he didn't give up on the ball. He didn't give up. He he knew where he was. He kept himself onside and a great finish. Exactly. What were some of the other games that jumped out for you? <laughs> One that jumped out for me because it was history-making. Yes. It really was. Mm-hmm. Uh Dallas and Seattle. Dallas, excusable, right? They, they've got a few of their key players missing. Yep. Seattle, I'm just going to say no excuse whatsoever. No. Game ends up 0-0. So what's the history of this game? The first MLS game ever to finish with zero shots on goal from either team. That is so painful to hear. And obviously you said FC Dallas has a little bit of a... I don't even exactly know. FC Dallas was down to 10 men. So early in the game. Early in 17, the game. 17th minute red card to uh, Kelly Acosta, who was starting for Moses Hernandez. Yes. Moses Hernandez. His first start ever for uh, for FC Dallas, and he gets a red card in the 17th minute. So yeah. now you've got three quarters of the game left to play with 10 men. Yeah, not exactly an ideal situation if you're FC Dallas or if you're the coach as well. You're just sitting on the sidelines going, oh, really? Come on. What are you doing, man? But give them credit for holding they did. on. They did. Mm-hmm. I would be very, very excited if I was FC Dallas's coach into the game. Be like, hey, yes, we didn't lose. Yes, we got a guy sent off. But we held a, We held with one of the best teams in Major League Soccer as a whole. Yes, they're not performing statistically right now. But if you can hold with Seattle and not allow a single shot on goal, yes, you didn't get one on goal that, either. But That's the part I just don't get. How are you up a man for 75 minutes? And you can't get a stinking shot on goal. Probably could have put a shot from midfield, and that would have probably, you know, at least gotten the general vicinity of the goal. It's like, come on, guys. What are you doing? So then we have uh, the weekend finish up with Chicago beating Philly 1-0. RSL getting a win over Toronto FC. Not surprising. No, not at all. 2-1. I think that game was a little bit better than than we expected, than most people expected. But that's how the weekend rounded out. Exactly. All right. Well, we're going to move into our official two upfront power rankings. Let me run you through what we had last week. Uh, our week three power rankings, just so you have an idea of the moves and drops. 
Uh, we had FC Dallas, number one, NYCFC, number two, LA Galaxy, number three, New York Red Bulls, number four, San Jose Earthquakes at five, Orlando City SC at six, Vancouver at seven, Columbus at eight, Seattle at nine, and Toronto FC at ten. That was last week. What's this week look no, like? No, we got a bit of a shakeup this we week. We did. There was a lot of movers and shakers and some positive teams jumping up and some unfortunate teams dropping out. So yeah. what do we got? Well... FC Dallas, still undefeated, going down 10 men, finishing off that game 0-0. Without Blas Perez, mm-hmm. they're undefeated in this league. And rightfully so, they deserve rightfully to be number so. one. I, don't, I can't think of a better number one. I feel like, if anybody, Vancouver might be able to challenge mm-hmm. that a little mm-hmm. bit because mm-hmm. they've done a really good job um, kind of keeping it interesting. They've got the Etihad Player of the Month so far. I mean, they're looking... Up and up, and they're hot. We, we talked about this before, and before the season even started, I was like, you know, keep an eye on Vancouver. Yes, they might not make it to the finals, but Vancouver is a dangerous team they when they've got all their players team. together. And I think Cascadia fans, especially, are starting to take notice of that. They've quietly built quite a team over there. They have, and that's one thing that people are like. Well, did they make the playoffs? Well, did they make a deep run? No, Seattle did. Oh, okay. Well, that's all that matters in the Cascadia right. region. Well, yeah, I fell victim to that thought process. Yeah, you know? definitely. And I think a lot of us fell guilty uh, of that accusation. So, uh, looking FC Dallas at one, they don't move anywhere. Uh, who do we got at number two? No, I would have to say we kind of have two number twos after after our discussion here. But we, we do. We officially have uh, the New York Red Bulls down. Again, they're they're undefeated. They've surprised a lot of people. They are playing well. They're playing great under Jesse Marsh. So with them not having lost yet, they're they're doing well. I think it's only fair to put them at number two. And a lot of people were thinking that well, they had all these off season issues. Good luck, you know, winning more than maybe ten games this season. And already they've done a great job. And you look, they they went to Columbus and beat the Crew two one. Not easy to do. Not at all. Anytime you can go to Columbus, regardless if they're having a good or bad year. Columbus is going to run you into the ground. They really will. They're t- tough, physical, scary team. They might not have the most you know fancy offense ever, but they will still give you a tough test. And good job for the Red Bulls going into Columbus and picking up that much-needed victory. What do we have at number three, Baxter? At number or three, it's like two and a half, I guess. 2.1 is Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver uh, in our standings last week was seven, so they jump up four spots. So good for them for... Strong finish to a game. They, yeah, and they rightfully deserve that. I definitely have no problem with Vancouver being number three at four. Um, not a surprise, I feel like. I, I mean, agree. They do move up our standings just a little bit. Um, Orlando City SC, they were six last week. Now they jump up to number four. Yeah, they were down. <coughs> excuse me. They, they come back from a down being too early. Too, sorry. <clears throat> they were down early to Thank two you. goals. <laughs> That's Continue. why you're the broadcast. On the, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> so, I don't know. so it's going to put you up in the rankings. Yes, it yes. wasn't a win, but it certainly felt like one, and mm-hmm. you saw that team dig in deep. Uh, they had a heartbreaking home loss to Vancouver the week before. They come back. It looks like, uh-oh, here, here's the reality setting and, uh, in. And, that and they come back. a lot back. of people thought. And yeah. when I heard that Montreal was up 2-0, I'm like, now we're seeing the true colors of the uh, Orlando City SC team, but... Kaká working his magic, registering a goal and an assist in that game, very much worthy of a, a draw in that game. Which probably, like we said, feels like a win for Orlando because they came back from a 2-0 deficit, an early 2-0 deficit, and added two goals quickly. Yeah. All right, moving on to number five. Last week it was San Jose. This week it's who? D.C. United. Jumping up. D.C. United wasn't even on our radar last week. Did I read that right? Yeah, D.C. United. Oh, that's right, because they got two out of three wins now. Mm -hmm. My question is, though, are they for real? 
It's hard you know, to know. Yes, they beat the LA Galaxy. Good for them, but we just talked about this recently that without Robbie Keane and Jassy Zardes, it's not really playing the LA Galaxy. You're basically playing LA Galaxy dos is basically what it looks like in that regards. DC United, they are fourth overall, though, in the Supporters' Shield standing, so that is a good thing for them. Um, looking ahead to some of their games, though, they've got a big slate of games coming up, but they've also done a really good job. They beat Montreal 1-0, and, but then they did lose to New York 2-0 last week. But a win against Los Angeles, no matter who's on the field, is always going to help boost your rankings. Yeah, but I think it still does leave that question. Okay, so your two wins are Montreal and then a weekend L.A. team. Exactly. And that's why I say, you know, you got a record like that. you got to put them up there. But with the caveat, are they for real? So I think we'll said, find that out over the next two games when they play Orlando and New York. Yes. That's going to be yep. a true test. In Orlando, and then they're at home against yep. uh, the Red Bulls. So I, I agree with you. All right, uh, moving on to number six. Last week it was Orlando. Obviously they have bumped up to number four. Who's filled in the gap for them? We've got number six is the Galaxy. Uh, yes, it was a loss that they had, but I think this is one of those teams that you give the benefit of the doubt. Yes. You know, had they had all their players... Totally different result. Mm-hmm. So I, we'll, we'll see reality when all their players return this exactly. week. Exactly. Galaxy were third last week. They're up to six now. Uh, looking at number seven, uh, NYC FC uh, falling down the rankings. They were number two for us last week. They've only got one win in their first four games. They still have some good players, though, don't they, They Simon? do. I mean, you've got Villa in there. You've got Discarud. Those are the two guys we always talk about. Uh, Josh Sha- Saunders back in goal. Patrick Mullins. Woo-hoo. So they've, they've got the tools. Uh, I, I really think this may have just been an off week for them. But, again, we shall see this coming week. Exactly. Looking ahead to 8 and 9, uh, those two teams were having a bit of a battle this week. Uh, who's number 8 for us? We have RSL. We went with RSL. It, they get ahead the last uh, two because – you know, they they had their first win, but with their other two games being draws, um, this team's still undefeated, quietly again undefeated. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of, yeah, they, they deserve to be up in those top ten. RSL just perpetually scares me. Yes. I just have this healthy fear of RSL. No matter what, they could have zero wins and 25 losses. I'd still be terrified. They the still have a good them. core of players that they they've do. had over the years. And people kind of continue to forget about that. Javier Morales is a really good player. Alvaro Saborillo is a very, very good player. You can say what you want about Beckerman at the international level, though I thought he had a good World I Cup. I thought he did, too. He's he's one of the strong center mid- midfielders in MLS. I agree. RSL, they were not on our rankings last week, so congratulations. Yeah. Welcome to the power rankings. Columbus is the spot they captured. Uh, our bottom three teams last week were Columbus, Seattle, and TFC, and neither of them... None of them are on our bottom three now. So yeah, number you, nine? Again, you could give TFC the benefit of the doubt because they no. have their players missing, but, no. it's, but it's TFC. I just, no. <laughs> so no, I, so I they're won't. out. Seattle has, as we talked about earlier, they have 10 men in, or 11 over 10 men in two games. Mm-hmm. They can't win either of them, so two they're out, out. Two out of their last three games. That's right. Yeah. You can't, just, you can't you even can't. score a goal. You're, just, uh, You're not going to be in our rankings. No. So number nine? We're going to go with San Jose. Now, they did fall. They obviously. did. San Jose was five last week for us. They, they fell in our rankings, and they also lost this mm-hmm. week. But it was an away game. Uh, Wando got a, got a PK, so he, he keeps netting goals. He does. I still believe in Perez Garcia. I think he's a, he's a workhorse in the middle of that field. Mm-hmm. That's why we kept them up in our top ten. We, we, we do think that they are better than we initially thought they would be at the beginning of the season. Exactly. And you look at the conditions they played, and they went into a snowy, rainy, sleety, just crappy New England environment and only lost 
by one goal. Yeah. They really, yeah, I mean, you take a, a team from the West Coast where it is 80 and sunny right now and throw <laughs> them into the pit of hell, basically. That's snow and just, I'm surprised they all didn't just like evaporate on the field because they were so cold. But it's, you have to commend them for the way they played. And they're flying over a few time zones. Yeah. You know, one of the longer, yep. longer Anytime commutes you go coast in the to league. Coast. Yep. All right. And uh, number 10 for us is Sporting Kansas City. And uh, what did you? What, what prompted us to put them well, up there? Well, let's be honest. First big win of the season. It's away at New York, uh, NYCFC. Houston, we thought about maybe putting in there, but once again, they draw at home. You can't no. stay in the rankings if, I just, if that's Houston what you're doing. Houston just doesn't do it for me right now. Yeah, I agree. All I right. Agree. Well, uh, once again, our official week four, two up front power rankings, Simon R. FC Dallas in the first spot. The Red Bulls in number two. Vancouver Whitecaps. The, I like to call them the Volkswagen Caps. The Volkswagen Caps. There you go. <laughs> number, I wish they would get Volkswagen as a sponsor. They should. How that would great be would great. that be? Um, Orlando at number four. The expansion team doing well. DC United with the big jump up in the fifth place. Giving Galaxy the benefit of the doubt, keeping them at six. Not keeping them. They drop a little bit, but still in the top ten. NYCFC, not real sure what's going on there. RSL jumps into number eight spot. San Jose at nine. And Sporting enters the first two up front power rankings at number ten. How long will they be able to hold it? How long until our beloved Revolution and Timbers crack into them? I thought the Revolution might maybe make it, but still not fully convinced about them. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to offer our predictions for Week 5 in Major League Soccer and give our I Believe statements and wrap up the show. This is Two Up Front. Another edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Or Colburn, I think is my last name. Or Colburn, or I don't know exactly who is I am. Is it the Thursday before Easter? Is that why we're I think that's today? what it is. Easter break is right around the corner. Simon is super excited to spend time with his family. Absolutely. I've got the in-laws coming into town, so flip a coin on that one. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> now. I'm excited. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to scoot through our predictions for uh, MLS Week 5. Uh, we normally go into it a little bit more in depth, but due to time, we want to just kind of scoot through it and get to our I Believes before we got to head off for the Easter season. All right, so uh, Orlando versus D.C. United, Simon? I've got Orlando. I have Orlando as well. Ooh. I do. Right. Not, at I, home. I, I, I don't believe D.C. I just don't. Uh, you don't. Okay, okay. I just don't believe in D.C. Uh, Chicago and Toronto. I'm, I know you hate it when I do this. I'm going with the draw, but oh, I'm also, also going to give you a scoreline. Two, okay. to, two to two. Okay. I'm going with two to two. Bradley's going to score. Ship's going to score. I at least know that much. I think Altidore maybe get on the score sheet as well. Okay. Interesting. See, I have Chicago winning because I think Harry Ship's going to score. Ah, there we go. Uh, right. MLSsoccer.com called him. Is he the American Blanco? I saw that. I was like, yeah. ooh, I even, love Blanco. You know, even his posture is, yeah. is very Blanco-ish. He is. A yeah. product out of Notre Dame from last year. Uh, New England and Colorado. Really? I, yep. What? Revolution. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, can we just, like, 
just Paulie's all forfeits when Colorado's playing. Basically, Colorado, <laughs> I think, is the Montreal this year. I would take Montreal over Colorado this year. That's now, how I, much I believe I, in them. I will say that New England haven't won at Colorado since 2002. Mm-hmm. I think they're primed with, with Lee Wynn in there, Kelly Rowe getting in the, in the score sheet. They're playing too well. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Vancouver and L.A., sir, who do you got? It's at Vancouver, which makes me want to pick the Whitecaps, but I'm still picking L.A. They lost Ooh. this week. Their, their big players are back. They're going to want to get back in the W column. Yep, I unfortunately don't agree. I think Vancouver's going to win. I uh, like it when we disagree. I love it when we don't agree on things. That's why we do the 50-50 segment. But, yes, Vancouver Whitecaps, I think, are going to win. I think it's going to be a shootout, though. Ooh, I think it's going to be. I could see that. I could yeah. see like a two-one, three-two, something like that. I, I mean, and I'll get into that a little bit more Let's later. Let's see if on. Robbie Rogers has a, a good game in left back. He's been struggling. A exactly. Bit. I feel like Vancouver might be able to and influence that and take it over. Seattle and Houston. What do we got? I the way you feel about DC is how I feel about Houston. Exactly. I just don't believe. Uh, I'm, I'm still picking Seattle. Yep. I, I don't. I also don't believe Seattle is as bad as they are showing. No, right and now. I think this might be their coming out party against Houston. I think they're going to have a bit of a barrage. Just of please, goals. please score goals because yes. you both didn't score any goals Something. last weekend. Just, just anything. And in the fact a that shot Simon, on goal. The fact that Simon's even sa- telling Seattle to score. Right. Just, that's how desperate he is. He's like, just <laughs> score a goal, please. Uh, <laughs> FC Dallas and Portland. Yeah. FCD is going to be back at full strength. It's too easy that's of a pick. Scary. It's that's at, real it's, scary. It's at Portland. Uh, but Fire the Timbers, up the chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. Timbers haven't shown that that's a fortress for them. No. So I'm going with I'm going with Dallas. Yep, I agree with you on that one. I just don't believe in Portland right now. Unfortunately, they've got good players, Ouch. but just I don't believe in them. I'm sorry. That's if fine. I had to do an I don't believe, I don't believe in Portland. <laughs> Uh, Real Salt Lake and San Jose, an interesting matchup. It is, it is. It's at home. I think San Jose's still excited about that new stadium. i picking San Jose for this ah, one. I'm taking RSL. I All like right. RSL's offense in midfield. They might be a little on the wrong side of 30, but they're going to still bury you with yeah. goals, especially with Sabarillo coming and, back. And you know what they're really fighting for? What's that? Is a place in the two up front power rankings. Exactly. They, that's the main thing. When the coaches are talking like, look, guys, we got to get in their power <laughs> rankings. Let's go this week. And then finally, sporting Kansas City and the Philly Union. I'm picking Opara. Good. Okay. Apara for the win. I'll take Matt Beasler with the throw-in. Uh, Sporting Kansas City uh, definitely taking that victory. Dom Dwyer, would you please score a goal? Please. Please. Enough with your wife, Sydney LaRue Dwyer, now. Please just just go score a goal. I wonder how that's going to work for them now because they're married now, but Sydney got uh, signed by Western New York Flash I now. I saw the NWSL, that. So. Yeah. Interesting to see what yeah. happens with that. All right, Simon, our I Believe segment before we wrap up the show. Sir, you have the floor. All right. Controversy. Let it begin. Bum, bum, I believe, and it pains me to say it, and I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong because I will never, ever cheer against the U.S. shirt. No. But I do believe the U.S. is going to falter at the Gold Cup. They're not going to make it to the final. Klinsman's out. Interesting. I wouldn't complain about that if that happened. Not that I don't like Klinsman, but I feel like it might be time for changing of the guard by now. And please prove me wrong. Yes, exactly. Prove, me, prove wrong. me wrong. I believe that the U.S. will not win any of their next three friendlies against Mexico, Netherlands, or Germany. Now I'm going to challenge you. you please. Draws? Losses? They will lose all three games. Lose all three. All Consistently. Right. They will more than likely score a goal because they're consistently scoring a goal, but they're going to lose. That's just um, how I feel. I, I can't argue with that at all, Baxter. Gosh, it's painful. I feel like Mexico might be the only game where they might have a chance just because it is Mexico. Sure. They always play up. They, they do. They always play up. They that. always There's some sort of nirvana that comes over them and it's like, you know what? It's Mexico. Let's uh, America! Woo! Kind of a thing. But 
Oh my gosh, another exciting full edition of our show, Simon. Any closing thoughts for you? Just want to thank Coach Joe Litke for stopping by, talking college soccer with us. Wishing all of you a happy and blessed Easter, Baxter. All right, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be another exciting week of uh, Major League Soccer. A big thanks to Coach Litke for stopping by. Great to see him. Uh, remember to check us out on Facebook, uh, 2 Upfront, and uh, on Twitter, at 2 Upfront Soccer. Remember the number 2, not the T-W-O. Uh, for Simon Provan, I'm Baxter Colburn. Enjoy your Easter, and remember, uh, with our manager being the one above, we are 2 Upfront. If we go to page 11 in the presentation, you'll see that (laughs) you'll see we're on target to meet our quarterly. Some things never change, like nobody can resist (laughs) popping plastic bubbles and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. As I was saying, we're on target to meet. Excuse me, um, Miss Miss Hansen. Sorry, almost done. (laughs) 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more. Whether you're having a not-moving-off-the-couch-while-you-watch-the-game kind of day or a no-time-between-conference-calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'.